Thanks. Let's jump right into it. Lord, we just thank you so much. That's really all we can do is just say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the the grace that has come to us in your son. Thank you that the enemy has no defense, no defense against the finished work of the son of God. Thank you, Lord, that the enemy has no defense against the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Thank you, Father, that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that can separate us from your love now. Thank you, Father, that we can rest in another's righteousness and not our own. For he who has received this abundant grace... And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would refresh the saints this morning. Father, I pray by the power of your Spirit that you would bring to our remembrance the suffering and death of your only Son. Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would remind us that you consider our sins no more. For in this new covenant, you remember our sins no more. And you are merciful to all our iniquities, not just the little ones, not just the big ones. You are merciful to all our iniquities because of Christ. Thank you, Father, that we are new creations in the Spirit. And though the power of sin still works in our fleshly body, that power is not of us and not us. For the moment we walk in the Spirit, we find our true identity. For he who walks in the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord, thank you for this great mystery of union with you. Thank you for this great mystery, for great is the mystery of our godliness. Thank you for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to remind us, to remind us, for he was broken for our iniquities and our sins, and his blood was shed for our sins. And we remember you, Lord. We don't remember our sins. We remember you. The enemy has no defense to this. For the shield of faith shall quench every fiery dart of the enemy. The shield of faith shall quench every fiery dart of the enemy. The shield of faith shall quench every fiery dart of the enemy. The enemy has no defense against the blood of Christ. For they shall overcome the beast by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, not loving their lives even unto the death. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this shield. Thank you for this fire that surrounds us in Christ. For we are in him and he is in us and the wicked one touches us not, John says. 
so awesome. Thank you, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are encouraged and comforted by the Spirit. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. Be at peace. Peace. Be still. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're all, we, we are all in a battle because we, the scripture says, we are not of this place anymore. Having been born from above, Jesus said we're not from below. And we have a common enemy. And that enemy hates our dad, hates our father, and hates his kids. And uh, we're all in this together. And there's not a single temptation or a single sin or a single weakness that is not common to all, the scripture says. We all struggle with the flesh at times. And it's, a, it's, a, it's just cool to know that Jesus understands that we are but flesh. The spirit is willing, he said, but the flesh is weak. He knows that. The spirit is willing. The new man is willing. The flesh is weak. And so... We gather to encourage each other in him. We gather to remind ourselves of who he is and who we are in him. And right now you can sense the spirit just comforting and just encouraging and moving away the, the lies of the enemy that may have been spoken to you this week or whatever, or even this morning. Isn't that cool? John says that this is the victory that overcomes the world. Wow, what is it, John? Tell me. This is it. He said, this is it. This, even our faith in him is what he's talking about. Faith in him. I want to share a few thoughts about faith this morning. I want to just talk about faith. Um. Faith can never be overstated as important as it is. I mean, the scripture says it's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. And I would say, I would add to that and say, it is impossible not to be able to please him if you believe. It's impossible for him not to be happy with you if you believe. Isn't that awesome? And it's impossible to please him if we don't believe. God told Abraham that I'm going to consider you as righteous as me because you believed. He said he was, his descendants would be as the stars and Abraham said, I don't have a child. How can that be? But he believed God, Genesis says. And God's response to that faith was 
Abraham. You've touched on it. That's what I'm looking for. Man can never be good enough. Man can never do enough. That's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to consider you because you believe on me as righteous as me. And Paul picks up on that in the Galatian letter and the Roman letter. And he says, look what Abraham found. A righteousness which is by faith. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. What is the victory that overcomes the world? To believe. To believe. Believe what? I want to talk about believing what? And I want to talk about how faith comes. Believe what? Jesus said this in the Gospel of John chapter 6. He said, he who eats my body and drinks my blood has life. And he who does not eat my body and drink my blood has no life. He said, I am the true bread that has come down from heaven, not like the manna that came down as a picture of Christ, an unknown meal, an unknown food that was not known to them, that miraculously appeared to them. And it was a picture of the true bread, a picture of Christ. Because I am the true bread that has come down from heaven, that if any man eat of me, he shall live forever. The eating of his body, the drinking of his blood. Two Sundays ago, we shared about the, the Lord's Supper and, and the real meaning of the, of the covenant meal and how we have, the, through our traditions in the church as a whole, have distorted that awesome covenant meal where it should be a remembrance of him. We've made it a remembrance of our sin. And we talked about that two weeks ago and how the revelation of the new covenant meal is a powerful revelation of encouragement to the saints. The main point of power, I like to say, the point of power, the target, the target to keep in mind that we, that we should never forget, which is the key to overcoming this world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's, it's what Jesus left us to remember. Remember this. And that is to constantly eat and drink of the truth of his death. That's what he means by eating his body, drinking his, his blood, to have life. To constantly remind ourselves, and that's why the covenant meal was, was given by Jesus himself to us, to remember him and his act of death. Paul says you do show the Lord's death until he comes again. What is that? What is that? What is that? The, the cross, the crucifixion of Christ, the death, the blood, the body broken. What is that? What is he saying? What is he saying? What is the power in that? What is, what is, the, what is the target? What's the point of power? It's to never forget. Never forget. That our sins are no longer counted against us. Powerful. Because as long as we're in these bodies, we're going to sin at times. We're going to stumble. James says we all stumble in many ways. We're trying to learn by to, we're trying to learn to live by another within, and there's a learning curve of trying to learn to live by another. We've lived by ourselves and through ourselves and with ourselves and in ourselves and by ourselves all our life. 
It's the flesh. It's from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to be independent and do it ourselves and learn ourselves and get it ourselves. And I don't need anybody to help me. I can do this. Uh, it's the power of sin in the flesh. So it takes time. It's a learning curve to learn to live by another within the whole concept of a union is not even understood in the church as a whole. I mean, we're still talking about every time you sin, you have to get back right with God. I mean, we're still teaching out there in the church as a whole that you have to confess your sins in order to get back in fellowship with God. My God, how can we begin to, live, to l- learn to live by another if we don't even see union? If we see him leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back, I mean, that's, what is that? What is that? What is that? It's, it's the enemy's trick to, with smoke and mirrors, to get you distracted, get me distracted from the core truth that the enemy has no defense to. And you have people that, you know, have written books on spiritual warfare and they teach on spiritual warfare and they love to talk about spiritual warfare, but you ask them about, you know, what's your understanding of, you know, when a believer sins, what, what happens? What, what's, what's the deal with that? And they'll go right back to the old teaching where you got to confess that sin, you got to get back right with God, you're out of fellowship. I mean, what? what? Claiming to be experts on spiritual warfare, they miss the main weapon. The weapon. The weapon. And to believe. To believe. Scripture says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. The word substance in the Greek actually means to come under, to be a foundation for, substance. Faith is the substance for that which is hoped for. And what we hope for, we do not yet have. Why does does one hope for that which he already has, Romans says. So there are things that are now that we have, and there are things we don't yet have that we hope for. And faith is the substance or the foundation for that which we hope for, but it is also the evidence of that which is now. See? And there's a lot that is now, and there's a lot that's not yet. But there's there's a lot now. It's not all, not yet. And that's the big problem with a lot of the teaching in the church today. A lot of it's put into the future. It's all not yet, not yet, not yet. In fact, a lot of the teaching in the church today is, is really all about all of this good thing, all these good things that Jesus has purchased for us is going to finally come to us at his second coming. And that's why the teaching of the Daniel's 70 weeks or 77s of Daniel's prophecy is so important because that has been fulfilled. He has taken away sin. He has made reconciliation for iniquity. He has finished the transgression. He has brought in everlasting righteousness. He has fulfilled all that the prophets saw and prophesied. He has been anointed Lord of all. All those things have been done. And there's scriptures for every one of those things in the New Testament. He comes again not, to do, not for sin, Hebrews says. He comes a second time, not with regard to take, taking care of sin, for he did that in his first coming. He comes again the second time to take you and I away. And his bride eagerly awaits him. It's awesome. The now is awesome. Faith is all about what is. 
The evidence of that which is not seen. Evidence means it is. It is. Just don't see it. Can you see? Do you see the righteousness of God in me? Can't. Can you see God inside this body? You can't. Can you see the Spirit of God joined to my spirit inside this body? You can't. But he's there. No man could say these things, do these things. God speaks through us. God teaches through us. God moves through us. God works miracles through us. Why? Because the Spirit of God is within us. And we know we're the children of God because the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. But it is unseen. But faith is the evidence of the unseen. Foundation for the hope that one day this body shall put on immortality. That's not yet. We wait for the redemption of the body. But the new man has already been raised. We have eternal life now. We're not waiting for eternal life. As John says, eternal life abides within us. John said that eternal life abides within us. So we're a new creation within and these weak earthen vessels, this treasure within, that the excellency of the power that comes through our lives is clearly seen. That's of God, man. That dude can never do that. That's God. Clearly seen to be of God and not of us. Faith is the evidence of that which is unseen. Faith speaks of the now reality. Hope speaks of a future reality. And faith is the substance or the foundation for all our hope. Hope that one day we will see him face to face. Hope that one day this body shall put on immortality. Hope that one day we will be free from this body and released. All those things are not yet. But now, in union with him, the enemy has no defense against the one who is confident and sure of the reality that God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself not counting their sins against them anymore. To believe is, I tell you, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus went from city to city, and the one thing he was looking for was faith. Go, woman, don't be afraid. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Go, woman. Go. Go. Your faith. Your faith in me. He came to one town and couldn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. He wasn't looking for righteousness. He wasn't looking for performance. He wasn't looking for goodness. He wasn't looking for anything. He was looking for faith. Faith. I love what Joseph Prince said. He was teaching on this, this, uh, this whole thing about faith, and he said that, that Jesus only said... Jesus only commented twice about two people that had great faith. I love that teaching. I think it's from the Lord. It really is awesome. Um, And the two people that Jesus referred to as having great faith was the the Gentile woman who was saying, you know, know, Master, um, heal me or whatever. I forget exactly, but she was, you know, eating the crumbs off the table. and And Jesus responded to her as a Gentile, says, you know, it is not... It's not right for me to give the bread, the children's bread, meaning the Jewish children, because he had come first to the Jew. Um, It's not right. He was testing her is what he was doing. He wasn't like, and he said, it is not right that I should give the children's bread to the dogs, which seems like hard, but he's talking about Gentiles and Jews. And she responds. She wasn't turned off by that. She responds and says, 
But master, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's table. Jesus went ballistic. (laughs) Jesus went, woman. That's what I'm looking for, is what he said. I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. All of the children have not believed like this Gentile woman. And he healed her. And then the other, other person was the centurion, the Gentile Roman centurion, who said, please, my servant is sick and come to my... I mean, he said, he said please heal my, my servant. And so Jesus said, I'll go, I'll go. Now I'll go. And he said, no, you don't have to go. I know, I know. I'm a man under authority. And when I say to my men, go, they go. And when I say come, they come. I know. I know who you are. I know you're under authority. I know you're under the authority of God. I know who you are. Just speak the word. And I know my servant will be healed. You don't have to, I don't have to see it. You don't have to go. I know. Just speak the word. And Jesus said, not such faith have I found in all of Israel. Another Gentile. And he was healed. And Jesus said, go. Your servant is healed. Awesome. Well, Joseph Prince was praying about this. And he, was like, you know, he said, you know, God, why is it? What's the connection here? Why, 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 why? Why only these two people and why Gentiles? And the Lord spoke to him and revealed to him, and I think it's right on. He said, the Lord said to, to Joseph Prince that because they were never under law. They didn't know the law. They were never under law. The law is not of faith, the scripture says. The law works against faith. They never were under law. They, they could just simply believe. Romans says that the Jews who sought for righteousness in chapter 10, they sought for righteousness by the law, did not find it, but they stumbled over the stumbling stone, which is Christ, the gift of righteousness. They stumbled over that gift because they sought righteousness by the law. They sought righteousness by obedience to commandments. They sought to be good. They sought righteousness by obedience And they stumbled over this message of a gift of righteousness. The Gentiles who were not seeking righteousness at all, just living their lives. But sad on the inside for the emptiness of their lives when they heard the message of a gift of righteousness. They simply believed and found it. Romans 10 says, they found righteousness. They believed. They simply believed. They simply believed. Believed. Jesus said, did I not say to you that if if you will only believe, that's all, if you will only believe, you would see the glory of God. You see how simple? You see the target? You see the power of, the point of power? You You see what he wants us to remember? You see, behold, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. There is no defense to this. This sword of the Spirit, this shield of faith, there is no defense to it. Oh, little one, Isaiah 54 says, Oh, little one, toss to and fro, Moved by every word of condemnation. I will bring you rest. This is Isaiah 54. He says, 
referring to what was written in Isaiah 53 because there were no chapters, which is, which is a reference to the Isaiah 53, a reference to the crucifixion of Christ. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was broken for us. And then Isaiah 54, he, the thought continues in the prophet, and he goes, this is like the waters of Noah to me when I promise no more judgment. This work of my son on the tree is like the waters of Noah to me. It's a picture. Noah was a picture. The flood was a picture. A rainbow of promise. No more judgment. Isaiah 54. Awesome. This is what Jesus meant when he said, Oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Quick to believe in judgment. Quick to believe in condemnation because of your many sins. But slow to believe in a gift of righteousness by faith that is hidden in Scripture and revealed now by the apostles. For the apostles took that which was hidden in the prophets and spoke it clearly. And we are now built on that foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone and revelation of the prophets and the apostles. The mystery that was hidden now revealed. That men might come, Paul said, to the obedience of faith in all nations. Awesome. And how does faith come? The scripture says faith comes by hearing, by hearing. Saints, as God made birds to fly and fish to swim, he made the human race to believe. That's why everyone can be saved. Can. They merely need to choose to believe. Today, the scripture says, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. For God is not willing that any man perish, but all should come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 John 2, 2 says, he died not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. They all can believe. He has made it so. He has made us with the ability to believe. We believe every day. We believe there's a, um, there's a, England. We've never seen it, maybe, but we're going to buy tickets to fly there. We're going to spend money to buy tickets to fly to a place we've never seen because others have told us it's there. So we believe. We've seen pictures. We believe. Man was made to believe. We came in here and sat on chairs because we believed they would hold us up. We let go of our muscles and sat down. We are made to believe. We believe every day about a thousand different things. We believe. We believe in the goodness of our mom and our dad. We believe that if our good friend tells us he's going to be at a certain place at a certain time, he's going to be there. We believe. We believe. We're made to believe. Faith is not the, is the hard thing. The scripture says that when they had the blood, put the blood on the doorposts of the, of the Israelites before they went out of Egypt, they, God says take hyssop, hyssop to put the blood on the doorsteps because hyssop was everywhere. It wasn't a very difficult thing to find something to apply the blood. He said use hyssop, use the weeds that grow everywhere because it's faith, it's not the issue. It's the work of Christ. It's the object of faith. We don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Him. Yes. And we all have the ability to believe. Yes. 
And when, when the word comes, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. The scripture says that within the word itself is the light. There is revelation within the word itself. In the entrance of thy word, light comes, the scripture says. In the entrance of thy word, light comes. So in, we're, in our blindness, in our darkness, before we were believers, we heard the word itself carries with it the light and the revelation. It carries with it. That's the power of God. Jesus said the day will come when the dead shall hear the Son of God and live. The dead can hear. The spiritually dead can hear. John Calvin. Yes, that's right. Amen. Because to be spiritually dead does not mean you cannot hear the word of God. God speaks to the dead and they hear. It's the power of the gospel. That's why anybody can be saved. Anybody can believe. Unlike the reformer's position, the reformer's teaching that says a man must be sovereignly regenerated and born again before he can ever exercise faith. Which then requires them to have the absurd conclusion that everybody who had faith in the Old Testament was also regenerated and born again like Abraham and David and Moses and everybody else. Because we have a lot of faith in the Old Testament. Which then devalues the entire work of Christ and the new thing that came in His death and resurrection and the new creation. It's a mess. It's a mess. It distorts the Scripture. It is not truth. Not to mention the fact that the footnote of that teaching is that not everybody's going to be saved. God doesn't want everybody to be saved. And he wants to pick only a few people to be saved. And only those, those people can be saved and they can do nothing about it. And the other people can do nothing about not being saved. It's just, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And he said, I would, I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. But you would not. So in tears, he's looking at people who are not believing, not receiving him. And he's saying, I would have gathered you and protected you from your enemies. I would have, but you would not. And Jesus is the express image of the Father. To see Jesus is to see the Father. To see Jesus is to see God. And the Reformers cannot answer that. That scene. They cannot answer that scene. They cannot explain that scene because it doesn't fit their doctrine. He's either acting. His tears are just an act. Or he's lying. I would, but you would not. See? Doesn't fit. The truth is, God doesn't want anybody to be lost. He stretches forth His hands all the day, the Scripture says. The Scripture says, we beseech you, be reconciled to God, for God has already reconciled Himself to you. And anybody can receive it. Anybody can receive the truth. Anybody can believe. We're made to believe. As birds are made to fly and fish are made to swim. Human beings were made by God, crafted by God, to be able to believe. Animals do things by instinct. The salmon doesn't swim upstream because it believes that it will be able to lay eggs upstream. The salmon swims upstream because it's in its DNA. It's instinct. Birds migrate not because they believe it's going to be warmer in the south, but they, they in their brains, the Creator has placed in their DNA an instinct that now is the time to fly. 
only human beings made in the image of God have the power to believe like God believes. It's awesome. Made in His image, He has given us a choice to believe or not believe, for we are a little piece of His sovereignty, an individual person made in His image, a picture of His sovereignty in me that says, I choose to believe Him or I choose not. It's awesome. He elevates the human race. Oh, don't you know that you shall judge angels, the sons and daughters of God, you who have chosen Him, you you who have believed. He has made and given them the right to be the sons of God, John says. Believe. Don't be hoodwinked by this Reformed theology, this John Calvin distorted view of God and of his gospel. For God is reaching for everyone and everyone can believe. The power of the gospel brings with it the light. They choose whether to receive or not. And we leave that with God. But anybody can believe. We're made that way. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in Him. Somebody once said, we don't need great faith. We need faith in a great God. And that's true. We don't need great faith. We need faith in a great God. But you know what? Faith in a great God is great faith. It's really both. Faith in a great God is great faith because you see Him as He is. Because God does want us to have great faith. That's why he got excited about the two Gentiles who had great faith. Paul talks about those who are weak in the faith and those who are strong in the faith. He wants us to grow in the faith. Just like we said a a few Sundays ago, the the parable of of the mustard seed has been so wrongly taught, in my opinion. God's not saying in that parable of the mustard seed that he just wants you to have a little bitty, bitty, bitty bit of faith, like a size of a mustard seed. That's why you need to move mountains. No, he's not saying that at all. The parable, the whole parable is about a, a mustard seed that is the tiniest of all the seeds in the garden. And yet, when it is fully grown, it is greater, larger than all the other plants in the garden, such that even the birds can build nests in, their branch, in its branches. It's like a little tree in the garden. It's huge. It grows huge compared to all the other plants in the garden. He said, have faith like that little mustard seed and you'll be able to move mountains. What are you saying, Lord? The, the seed, the mustard seed is not distracted or discouraged by what appears. What appears to be small doesn't deter the mustard seed because he knows he is a mustard seed. (laughs) And though the other plants are growing all around him, he goes, just wait, just wait. I got stuff in me you don't even know yet. (laughs) The creator put something in me that's going to just, I'll be looking down on you guys one day, just wait. And sure enough, the roots go down, stem goes up, and the mustard seed is manifested. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't be deterred by what appears. Look not on that which is seen, but that which is unseen. Faith is the evidence of things that are now the foundation for that which we hope for. (sighs) Faith. Faith. Believe. 
They asked Jesus, one day the Pharisees said, Lord, what are, what are the works of God that we can do that we might please him and do the works? Of, what, are, what are the works of God? What, what should we do? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom God has sent. How can it be more clear? Over and over again, the Lord brings us back to the simplicity of faith. And you know what Jesus said that time? He said, there's only one thing needful. And what he said was needful was how faith comes. He goes to the very root of how faith comes. He says, the one thing that is needful is what Mary did. She rested in his presence, listening to him. Faith comes by hearing. She was gazing upon him and listening to him. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ, the word of God. Only one thing. I think that's why he probably said, there are only a few things needed. And he goes, then he goes, really only one. What are the few things he was talking about? I think the hearing of him, faith, maybe love, but he said, really only one, because that's the root of everything. Just sit at my feet, hear me, listen, gaze, because faith comes. Faith arises by the word of Christ. And through faith, love comes. For faith works through love, Galatians says. It's all, it all comes, it all begins to flow like a river. For he who believes on me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Believes, believes, believes. So the message of of our Lord to us this morning, I believe, I believe, is, (laughs) is to be encouraged to remember if God be for you, who or what can be against you? There is no defense to his work. The enemy cannot undo it. It's done. He sits at the right hand of God. And you believe. End of story. The shield of faith shall quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Everyone. Shield of faith. Let's encourage each other to believe. To believe him. And let us believe. Eating of his body. Drinking of his blood. Remembering his death. Remembering the awesome reality that is now that our sins, as we walk in these bodies, as we stumble at times, learning how to live by Him, are not, our sins are not counted against us anymore. Awesome. For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Good news. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for helping us believe. As you reveal yourself to us more and more, we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, as a constant flow of revelation of you and reminding ourselves and you reminding us by the Spirit of your goodness. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Help us shout this from the housetops because our brothers and sisters need to know they need help. 
They need clarity. And once they see, they will never go back to the vague and uncertain feelings that condemnation brings. Awesome. For you are the God of a certain sound. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for their prayers for me and my family. Thank you for their love. Thank you for their encouragement to me. Lord, thank you for this body of believers at Grace Church. Thank you for Clark and Martha. Thank you for Bill. Thank you for this group, saints of saints, Lord. Thank you that we are in this boat together and Christ is our righteousness and Christ is our life. Amen.